Hi, welcome to the Fit Me Forever podcast hosted by the OmniFit. We're about all things fitness. We help women get off the diet roller coaster to find sustainable health, embracing life right where you are on the way to where you're going. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Coach Jody V, a certified nutrition coach who specializes in helping women become physically and mentally strong to regain energy for a life they love. I would like to welcome my co-host, Kayla Duncan, owner of the OmniFit, and fellow colleague and nutrition coach, Taylor Bloxham. Together, we are the OmniFit. Hey, ladies. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Kayla and Taylor again today. We're kind of laughing after the last podcast. We left you all with a cliffhanger. We're going to be talking about hunger and appetite again today. And um, Kayla, I just have to ask you, so the cliffhanger, uh, between hunger and appetite, you have a very funny and unique experience that you kind of noticed emerging over time. Tell us about it. Yes, it's so funny. So I'm sure you guys have, have heard me reference this eating in the car situation that I experienced a few years back. And honestly, it was just that it carried over from um, a period of time in my life where I spent a lot of time driving from one place to another. I would drive to work in the morning and then I would go from work to school, from school to home, take a nap and then go back to work because I was personal training and if there's any personal trainers listening, you guys know that a very common schedule is that split schedule of working in the morning and working in the afternoon whenever your clients are available to train. And so it just so happened that those periods of time coincided with eating times because I obviously wouldn't be eating when I was with my clients. And so I would leave the house in the morning and I had about a 45 minute drive to work. And so I would eat breakfast. And then when I broke from work to go to school, I would eat lunch and so on and so forth. What happened though was on days that I didn't have a meal scheduled for that period of time, I would be so hungry. I could literally eat, like let's just say that I ate before I left work to go to, the, to go to school, I had my lunch, and then I got in the car, literally finished my lunch, got in the car to drive to school for 30 minutes, and was like raging hungry. Like I was so, I'm like, this is crazy. I just had at least like 500 calories. Like I just ate my whole entire meal. And I saw this pattern emerging so much that at first I didn't really notice it. I would just maybe snack or I always had vegetables or something with me, always packed my food. And then on road trips, if I went anywhere, I was always the one, you know, grabbing snacks, grabbing food, not always bad food. It would be, you know, edamame or, you know, whatever I would, baby carrots or sugar snap peas or something, just something to eat. And in this kind of thought process of patterns and um, now working online with so many women and talking about all these patterns, this funny story kept coming up because when we moved from Georgia, Tennessee, now that drive turned into three hours and I was no longer personal training. I was just driving from one home back to see my family. And I, same thing, I would schedule my meals, I would bring my food and I would have a meal. And like, I swear an hour later, I would be like, so starving. And it was just because I was driving in the car. And I felt like when we were talking about this podcast and the topic, that this is a perfect example of the difference between physiological hunger, like actually needing to eat. And then that psychological hunger, that appetite that is, is creating a correlation between driving and eating, which is just like Pavlov's dog, of like yeah. how we trained ourselves like to hear the food bowl. 
And I was like, this is what's been happening to me. Well, and this is an example of an, an a sub area of appetite that's called learned hunger, mm -hmm. um, where something can be very much a necessity and then turn into just just a habit. And I laugh at this because grow, uh, learn hunger sometimes has a lot to do with our habits from growing up too. Um, I personally, when relating to the car, is anytime we went on a trip, was, which wasn't really you know that often growing up, but it'd usually be a, a three to five hour trip to my grandmother's house from where we were. And my mom would always let us pick a snack, you know, and my brother and I loved shoestring licorice. And so for the longest time growing up, I had that same thing. It's like anytime we got in the car for a longer trip, that was the thing. Or you guys know this like related to going to the movie theater. You might have just had dinner out with your spouse and it's like the popcorn is calling. I mean, there's probably other sensate re reasons for that too. But um, these are learned um, cues related to certain, you know, behaviors, and they can be very, very powerful and hard to break over time. Um, I've had some clients talk about how um, there was always this reward for a great day, and at the end of the day, it was like a little snack before bed. That's how, you know, mom and dad, you know, did that, and it might, might not have been a healthy snack. It may have been, you know, ice cream or cookies or something like that, and so as an adult, that's, that associative behavior is just kind of you know, followed through. So yeah, definitely a big, big thing. That's great. Taylor, do you have any experiences with your family just, or just kind of growing up? Yeah, I love listening to those just because I was trying to think in the meantime, what, what were some of mine? I think that even, you know, the whole dessert thing or just having dinner afterwards, having a snack is a huge, a huge popular thing for people and myself as well. I think another one too, I would get the same exact thing at restaurants all the time. doesn't matter where we were. I would get chicken strips everywhere I went. <clears throat> and I know that's not exactly, um, you know, something that correlates to the same thing as far as an experience of forming that hunger, but it's just a habit that I think of that has been just something um, you think of right away that you have built over time. And so I can even think of one now that I do pretty often where I kind of ignore the, the intuition side of things, the actual thinking and craving part of things. And I just expect it. And that's my coffee in the morning. And I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that is the coffee in the morning. And so even when there's a, I'll make a full French press and I don't need the full French press, but I'll drink the full French press, <laughs> you know? So I think that that's, that's a common thing for people or a very common thing is when I get cold, I want something, I want coffee. I want, do I, do I need the caffeine? Probably not, but I want it. And so it will be a habit for me um, just because it's, it's a common thing. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of Taylor, um, like the chicken finger thing. Um, so like depending on what season, you know, we're in and what we're doing and like, say we're in a fat loss phase and we get in those certain, um, kind of ruts where we always pick the same things or we're kind of, our diet's gotten somewhat limited in variety. And what happens is that boredom sets in and it triggers those appetites and suddenly, you know, you set yourself up for an appetite, you know, a, a perfect storm and those psychological triggers go off because you've been, you know, practicing, you know, eating just very limited for a, a period of time that, 
just isn't healthy and good psychologically and maybe not even physiologically. Right. And you might not even realize that that's what you've been doing. You might have even been, you might've created what we would consider kind of a meal plan. You know, you have your regular breakfast, your regular lunch, regular dinner. You might've created that out of convenience and to set yourself up for success because Mm -hmm. at first limiting so many options can be really, really helpful to creating a healthy habit and sticking to your plan, sticking to your goals. And then without, before you even recognize it, you're having all these cravings for food that like chicken fingers or pizza or something like that. And you're like, why? And some point in there, you just got really bored with the food that you're eating and you need a lot more variety, not to mention the micronutrients that come from the different vegetables, from different colors, from different seasons that serve our bodies well and really keep all those um, appetites at bay, all the cravings at bay. And so it's so interesting that you say that because I think a lot of this, a big thing that we like to bring to your attention is being aware of of these experiences. It's not that they're bad. It's not that they're good. They, they just exist. And it's really important that along the way, you're taking notes and saying, oh, you know what? This craving that I'm feeling, it actually might be correlated to the fact that I've been eating the same food for a while. Why don't I probe the community or some friends for some meal ideas? Why don't I get a new cookbook to inspire my time in the kitchen? which we actually have one of those, by the way, yeah. um, to help with this exact thing. And that's, that's the reason why we do what we do in our communities and why we create what we create is because this happens to us too. Like This is the same exact thing. Definitely. Totally. I, I kind of have to laugh. I mean, it is this fine line, this physiological hunger versus, you know, the psychological hunger, which we call appetite. Mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking about, um, I drive by this place called Mountain Biscuits. It's a real popular place here in Georgia. And um, when I was in prep and I, you know, things were pretty restricted, it was almost impossible to pass that place without wanting to stop. Now I pass it every single day and I don't even think about it, you know, type of thing. And it's so interesting how those triggers are like the mental psychological side. When you are in a place where, um, you know, either you're intentionally doing that or whatever, where you set up this situation where you have a deprivation, you know, you're in deprivation mindset, that psychological side of things, where you just automatically want something more when you tell yourself you can't have it, then it's like, I can, I could have that now if I wanted to, but I, I don't really, I don't really care. <laughs> so it's, it's the strangest thing, how powerful that is. Um, and I just like, I like cinnamon rolls. So you get appetite has a lot to do with that taste and, and hunger and those external internal triggers that go on um, with that. What do you guys think um, in that regard? Yeah. One of my favorite things is to create healthy um, flares of unhealthy food, you know, Chinese food, love Asian food, Chinese food, Mexican Mm -hmm. food. And so I love taking those flavors and, creating recipes or meals that satisfy that um, memory even, or that taste. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a quarter Korean. Some of you listeners might not know that. So growing up in my family and literally to this day, there is always a fresh pot of rice in a rice cooker on the counter. Always. Mm-hmm. So I never needed rice. I could, we would have rice for breakfast with butter and sugar. That was like a thing that we did. My grandma always did that. 
Um, and so sure enough, like what you were saying, Jody, in prep, while I have rice on the meal plan I had created for myself that suited my goals, literally cold rice. I would like open the refrigerator and like all I can think about is putting rice and butter and sugar <laughs> in the bowl. Like that's really ridiculous. Yeah. But that same thing. And so there's ways to create those meals that feel good when you eat them because there's such an emotional connection to sharing a meal with the people that you enjoy and, um, and all those things. We don't want to deny that to you or to deny that from you. Um, and th that, that even sets us up for a whole different topic, but how those internal triggers really influence the way that we eat. But when you're satisfying all of those needs on a regular basis, maybe even not so intentionally, but just keeping a variety of rotating meals in your family, um, on your meal plan, that those things, those triggers don't control you at all because you're being satisfied. You almost don't even notice that they exist at all. You just drive right by. I think about that. I mean, it's so part of the reason why we program um, with clients the way we do, either with cycling or um, strategically placed refeeds and things like that, because you definitely, you don't not only need that physiologically, you need that psychologically. Right. Totally. So, no, yeah. that's really great. So something we always love to provide you guys is with takeaways and practices that you can apply. So we've just talked about a lot of these different things, kind of creating variety in your everyday style of eating that helps combat any of the triggers that you have. If you have specific questions, we would love to address those on the podcast for you as well, um, because situations can feel a little bit different and you might not know how to navigate that. So keep that in mind to always reach out to us to, to answer your specific question. But in an effort to just provide you guys with research-driven content, Coach Jody came across some really cool information that, um, that we're going to share with you. Yeah. It, um, so, you know, when you're looking at taste, emotional, social and learn type hungers, all these things fall under appetite. And I wanted to bring some, you know, takeaways away. And I, I was doing some research and it's very interesting. I don't know if you all have heard of this before, but Lots of scientific researchers on in nutrition and around hunger um, have done, there's some research called the blue zones. And these are areas of the world in which populations are incredibly healthy. They have longevity, all their health markers are great. And one of those I ran into um, related to the Okinawans and they apparently have a longevity um, to like 100 years old on the average. And so um, it, it's, crazy but in within their culture they have um, kind of a self-imposed uh, restraint system and they as researchers were kind of looking into what their meals look like and how they approach food um, from a cultural and sociological perspective recognize that they have this thing that they say to themselves and, and I don't know if I'm uh, pronouncing it correctly but um, it's called harahachibu and it's something that they repeat um, kind of somewhat as a mantra um, before and after they eat. And it means eat to 80% full, which is something that we, I was like, whoa, that's bizarre. That's kind of something that we um, teach within our programs. And I didn't even know really any scientific basis for that other than it makes sense where you're not in an absolute deficit, but you're in a little bit of a relative deficit which is really healthy for you metabolically. So um, knowing that 
is so kind of cool that that is already integrated within their culture and the results and the effects of that are showing up. Mm -hmm. And we know that when our clients practice that over time, um, those that are in habit-based um, nutrition programs really see results. And, and we've, we've seen that with a number of clients. So, so learning how to eat to 80% full is quite effect, an effective practice. Taylor, what other um, practices could you think of? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because right away when I, when I think about eating to 80% full and that that's a, a learned thing, you know, that's something that we're born with that we, we have in us that just over time through, you know, situations, dieting, family history, all these things get lost. And it's just so crazy to me that that's our normal, but somewhere it gets lost. And so somewhere we have to obtain that again. So I think of with, with a huge benefit of obtaining that again is, is slowing down, focusing on the food that you're, you're eating, enjoying that time with family and friends and actually savoring the food that you're, that you're eating. It's just huge to actually get the most out of the experience, to smell, to taste the food, to enjoy the company. Just because in this day and age, we're so quick. We're so quick to be eating our meals in the car in a rush. I know <laughs> I'm guilty of it. Totally. I'm totally guilty of it. I know that we all are and eating as quick as we can, but there's so much satisfaction that we are meant to have when we slow down, actually sit down. It is so much better for our, our digestion and optimal absorption when we actually sit down and eat our food um, and sit down and stay like that. If we're standing, if we're walking around, going on runs everywhere after that we we have our food, um, that's not the optimal experience that our body wants when we're eating. Yeah, I think that we, like, I just desire to start a movement around this. I mean, I think we do as a group. That That is what we want to be about is, like, really just we can get back to eating normally. Um, and And when, especially as, you know, a lot of our listeners have young children and that sort of thing, and, and that family environment is so important to these things, you know, early on as children – don't let your children lose that, you know, the beauty of knowing what their physiological hunger is and help them recognize when their hunger might not be, you know, physiological and, and regain that over time in the family environment. And then, and that just, that leaves a legacy, I think, for your family that you, you have no idea of. Um, and like, I think also, we just need to learn how to practice hunger and know what hunger feels like again. Um, as a culture, we are just overfed, period. And, uh, you know, a lot of us, um, we, we don't know what it feels like to be hungry, except, of course, like when we were in competition prep and, <laughs> you know, things like that. But um, it's okay to um, intentionally practice, I think, knowing what hunger is by missing a meal. You know that missing a meal is not best for you, you know, metabolically, but if you need to do that every once in a while to get in touch with what your real hunger is, mm -hmm. I think it's important to, to know. 
Right. And I think that's, that's the driver behind one of the concepts that we teach. And we go over this in our, any of our challenges, our seven day challenges, and also any of our programs of having set eating times, having meal times and not snacking throughout the day. It's not because snacking is inherently bad, but in an effort to help everyone kind of zone in and regain that awareness around, am I hungry or am I wanting this food for a different reason? And then curbing all of those cravings that all seem to kind of like take over us. Um, a huge driver behind that is being able to pinpoint whether or not you're hungry or not. And the only way to do that is to experience hunger. Um, and the very best baseline to do that is really isolating those meal eating times. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I mean, in the seven day challenges, obviously we have seven days, but people report back and say within three days, day three, people are saying, I am shocked at how I did not crave X, Y, Z at this time. That's specific to them that I might not experience that. But a good example is the afternoon coffee or the afternoon snack or that snack after dinner, or these are all like a lot of the common things that, that kind of come up that day three, that's, it only took three days. <laughs> like that's, that's amazing that our bodies can begin to adapt and adjust, um, and be able to, to, to redirect on what they're naturally meant to do, which is really great. Right. Well, just to wrap up today, um, the, you know, your mind and your body obviously work together and, you know, you can step outside of your mind to take control of what your thinking patterns are, what your habits are, um, and to begin listening to your body, not judging it, um, and, and trying to differentiate. We're here if you need help. We hope that you'll ask questions in the Facebook groups. And um, you can also email us at info um, at theomnifit.com. And we're happy to take your questions and present those to the group and share and information for other podcasts. So thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back soon.